Six Pack Lapidat, and today we got a special guest, um, King of the Lifts athlete. Uh, my man's Caffey is sitting in. Paul's gone. Randy's gone. And you're going to sit in on this interview with Steffi Cohen. Now, you're obviously familiar with Steffi Cohen, but uh, admittedly, you know, you're, you're an IPF guy. So you said, hey, my man's, um, I'm not super following uh, the U.S. Open, but fuck you, game, to sit in here because, uh, you know, you're... Your boy's in a bit of a jam, and I need a co-host here. But you know Steffi Cohen. I know Steffi Cohen. You, as soon as Who I doesn't said, know Steffi Cohen? As soon Cohen? as I said Steffi <laughs> Cohen, you were like, oh, fuck it. As a matter of fact, um, Paul was mad pissed. Paul was like, uh, you, when, when I said... Well, I was we at got, the gym with him, and Paul's just kind of like, well, Caffey, he's sounding so bitter. Well, Caffey, I guess you want to get your shot. <laughs> well, the thing is, so um, he, was, he was lined up, and then uh, actually Steffi had to pull out uh, last night. Mm-hmm. And he's like, fuck. And he, I was like, wow, it's, it's all good, man. We're rescheduling for tomorrow or the next night. And he's like, ah. Oh. I like, what? He's like, I can't. Mm-hmm. Like, well, it is what it is. I guess I'm bringing in Caffey. And you had said earlier at the gym, uh, when I first said I was lining up Steffi for this uh, U.S. Open preview series, you're like, oh, can I hop in on that? Joking around. Not, and Paul's like, fucking like hell, you're hopping in on the Steffi Cohen. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I, day in, day out, I'm in here doing these shows. And then of all the Steffi Cohen comes in, you're going you're gonna to bump me. And you're like, oh, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. And then as fucking luck has it, you bumped Paul. Yeah, <laughs> he was mad bitter. Dude, thanks for a great story. Well, look at it, man. Time is what it is. Um, a little bit of background. So um, I love telling the story. We hadn't told the story yet with you and Paul. I want to tell the story. I don't oh, want to get you. Yeah, you I know. know. You coming. know. I you know. know. It's coming. So, Caffrey, if you guys follow King of Lifts, um, yeah, Caffrey is the first King of Lifts athlete, and the guy just has an absolute massive deadlift. Um, so, Paul was handling Caffey. I do his programming, but I, I wasn't around for this competition. It was a regionals, which in the Canadian Federation, uh, you can break national records at it because it's that high level. So you guys were doing a regional competition to qualify, and you have to do that. You have to do provincials, and then you can go to nationals. So you had a regional competition, and me and Paul worked out the game plan. And, um, and as I'm driving back from work, I'm texting Paul like, where we at? What's going on? And you, you're killing it. You're having a great day. And on the last deadlift, I'm like, what was this last deadlift? Because I know you got a fucking dead on you. And he goes, um, I loaded up 325 kilo. And I said, uh, and I knew the, the national record, which I wanted you to take, because this was a national level competition. The first time, like, oh, Caffrey's going to fucking bring us home. An open Canadian open national record was 315, I believe, around there. Mm-hmm. And so he texts it back, um, 325. I'm like, hope, I looked at my phone, 325, three exclamation marks, three question marks, um, 325, you mean 315? And he goes, nah, man, we pulled for bronze, 325. Really like, bronze. Or, or you pull, for pulled for silver. Yeah. <laughs> I said, my fucking friend, the world record is 325.5. It's half a kilo more. You were, you, that was the least of what you were trying to accomplish. You were basically loading up the world record for Caffey to pull for a silver. <laughs> I was like, you just jumped over the national record straight to a world record made. Man. Guys like Brett Gibbs were pulling that. Russell Ori. I'm like, that happened once in history. We've seen 325.5. And you loaded that to pull for silver? I was like, what happened to the national record? So I was, I was like, I literally had to check my phone three times because I thought he, he meant to put 315. When I seen 325, I'm like, holy shit. 
And I remember my conversation with Paul going out. He's like, hey, Calf, we're like, all your lists are easy. You have no grinders, so just be prepared. It's going to be heavy. And in my head, I'm like, you know, we have our game plan going in. It's going to be, you know, whatever. Like, That's I got the this. It's going to be like, it's still going to move smooth. And I went to pick up a bar. I've never felt anything like that in my life. And like, it came off the ground a couple inches. And I was pissed because I thought I hit something I was supposed to smash. And then yeah. I get out. Paul tells me how much it is. I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> You never felt that before in your life, my friend. Only one person ever in history has ever felt that. That it was three twenty five point five is the world record. Like it was, it was crazy. Um, and apparently, Paul has a lot of confidence in you. Oh, <laughs> right, a tremendous nobody, amount. <laughs> Paul looks at you like your father looks at you, man. <laughs> nobody has more confidence. Not even your mother believes in you more than Paul does. Apparently, the guy thinks you're you're a god. So, going into provincials, I'm like, we're gonna write this wrong. Okay, um, all you got to do is show up and you qualify for nationals. And I said, uh, at provincials, you can hit a national record. We're going to do token, token squat, token bench. You're fucking getting that national record. And, and we're writing that wrong, so we can just put that to bed. Because you know how records fall. Some strong prick's going to come out of nowhere and do like a like a, a deadlift panda. Not he's a prick, but he's strong. God bless him. And deadlift God knows what. And this, this excuse me, national record goes go super high. So we go out there. Token squat, token bench. Smash that national record like it's a warm up. High fives, you got your national record. Okay, we righted the wrong. We're going into nationals. You're peaking like crazy, um, just smashing weights. And um, same situation happened. I had to work. This was midweek. Um, I hope my bosses aren't listening to this. I, just for me to lift that day, when I lifted, I had to fucking call in sick for work. Okay, drive up right after work, call in sick the next day, lift, drive back that night to show up at work the next morning and, and pretend like the Nationals was the upcoming weekend. Yeah, we like, didn't post anything until <laughs> the weekend. I'm like, this guy compete. I, I text him. I'm like, you're right. I had to go. He's like, haven't competed yet. Had, I'm like, I'm, you were on Tuesday. <laughs> I had to hold off. I had to hold off. And um, people, when I got back and I already won, were like, you're not nervous, man. Fucking nationals. You got to go. You got to. This is how you earn your way to the IPF Worlds. You fucking cool as a cucumber, man. I'm like, I got pretty good. I feel pretty good. Pretty confident. I, I, I should have took money off people. I, should, I bet you $100 I fucking get a gold. I bet you 200 I break a national record in my last deadlift. Like, what kind of asshole? But then they'd probably look up the results. Yeah, and sure. Hold up. The fucking dates aren't working out here. That was Wednesday. But, um, but anyways, so I had to go back to work. And I told Paul. This is this. We'd all talked about this. We get like, you know, we had those discussions in the gym, and I'm like, Calf, we like, first off, the national record. You got the national record. A little fucked up. Paul fucked it, fucked that up a little bit. All right, got the national record. Walking into this, I'm like, I think Calf, we could be the first Canadian ever in the 83 kilo class to deadlift 700 pounds. Everybody remembers the first. A national records come and go, and different people have pieces of it. You always remember who was the first guy to squat a thousand, first guy to do this, that, and the other in Canada. 83 kilo, you could be the first guy to pull 700. That was my fucking, that was, we all talked about it leading up to it. I'm like, let's fucking do this. So you smash squats, smash deads, media life, no token, nothing this time. No token squats, no token, nothing this time. Go into deadlifts, and I'm watching a live stream, and I'm like, fuck, you're smashing weights, PR's falling. And um, the last deadlift comes, and you're going to pull not only for bronze, which is beautiful because it pulls you into position for possibly making a world team. We'll get to that in a second. But your last dead, you're going to pull that 700 and be the first Canadian ever. As a matter of fucking fact, I called in, talked to the goddamn announcer who I knew and said, my man Caffrey 
is going to be the first Canadian to dead set, deadlift 700. And he said it on the air. I just heard from six-pack lap at IPF world commentator that Caffrey is going to be the first Canadian to dead 700. And you corrected them. I, I, I pronouncing I, my name too. Yeah, it's Caffrey. <laughs> so then, watching the live stream, I see Paul loaded up. As you come up and you're about to take it, waiting for the bar to be loaded, I see on the screen above your head, and you and Paul can't look over your head. You're not looking up. It's over both your heads. As you're standing there waiting to hear bars loaded, it says 317.5 kilo, and in brackets, the pound per pound conversion, it says 699.98. I'm like... <laughs> Son of a bitch, Paul, you did it again. Son of a bitch. The last, I texted him. I was calling him, please pick up. Please chip it, chip it. You got to chip. It's a, it's a national record. You could chip at the 318. Please, Paul, man. And I can see you two standing underneath the sign that says 699.98. And I was like, oh, my, this is terrible. This is killing me. It's because it hasn't happened yet, and it's about to happen. It's like you're about to watch a train wreck, or, and you're like, I can't do anything to stop this. I wish I, I can't stop it. I'm, I can't do it. And I'm and fuck you. You it, your bars loaded. You came out, smashed it. Took bronze. Fucking like a hell of a you know hell of a battle. Hell of a showing. Huge huge total. Everybody's super happy. And then was it? You said your girl. Yeah, was, man. In my like, I've never been so happy and disappointed in my life. Like I walked <laughs> out because I asked Paul immediately, and I was like, "What the hit?" He's like, "You hit your seven hundred. I went out. I was talking to my girl, gave her a big hug, and I was just so happy. And she's just like. Um, the board said 699.9. I turned immediately, looked at Paul, he's just like, we round up to 700, and my heart... What the my, fuck? In your fucking heart, Paul! Fuck your heart, Paul! My heart was just broken. We round moment. up to 700 in my heart? No, no, I'm oh. saying, like, my heart was... Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. No. I thought that's Paul what he didn't... told you. No, no, I was like, Paul... Much. In my heart, I was just crushed when I heard oh, that. Oh, shit. Shit, oh, man. man. But in his defense, like, the official sheets did say 700 for a and, and I'll tell you, okay. So because of, I've like, I, the world championships, um, I commentate every single session every day for, like, two weeks straight. And I've been doing this for a few years. So the amount of times I saw that number, uh, 317.5, so I know it's just shy 700. Mm -hmm. Like, I know this because you call it every time over and over and over and on the air for years, every session. So it's ingrained in my head. It's not, like... And it wouldn't even be a big deal. If I was going to post it on Instagram, you round. Like, if mm -hmm. you do the kilo conversion, the pounds, you just round. Right. But if you're going to be the first two, like, if you're mm -hmm. the first sprinter to do sub 10 seconds, you can't do 10 seconds and be like, I'm the first sub 10. Let's right. round down to 9.9. They'll be like, well, no. But, well, it's diff. Well, but if you're going to be the first two, it's kind of good. Yeah, you got it. So that's what's like, I shit, Paul. But let me just, I'll say this in Paul's defense. God bless him. He handled three of us, all of us, like Team King of the Lifts, like him, or me, Randy, and you. All three of us got medals at the Nationals. All three of us are going to the World Championships. And I think all three of us hit every, I think yeah. he, every, we didn't miss, we didn't miss a Paul single time. 27 or 27. <laughs> Paul literally had absolute, like the guy's a wicked handler. He, he, like a, he had the perfect, he had the, literally the perfect handling for all of his athletes. Every single one of us got all of our attempts, got medals, and all are going to the World Championships. It's just so funny how for it's you get fucked by the last deadlift <laughs> when Paul idols you. That's why going into the worlds, I'm like, bro, you got a for real shot at a at a world championship medal in the deadlifts, and that's why I'm like, man, we've seen this happen, and I'm gonna be calling it. 
Like, like that. at least I'll be, no, make sure you round up. You got to be the first Canadian to pull 700 at least there. But, um, but anyways, but I digress. So that's Caffrey's story. If, uh, I mean, you guys have probably seen him a bunch of times on Instagram and that's the, the association with Paul. And, um, yeah, man, as a first official King of Lifts athlete in your first year, shit, what you, you, how much years you, your first, like almost a year to the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had your first competition. Yeah, my first meet. What was your March first? Of... Your first, like, it's been a crazy year, mm-hmm. absolutely insane year. Yeah. Like, what were your numbers? Four, uh, six. So yeah, like a year ago, March, I hit. I'm I'm terrible with kilos. Sorry, guys, but it was uh, flying four eighty on squats, uh, three oh eight on bench, and six fifty on my deadlift. And what did you just hit at nationals? At nationals, five fifty on squats. That's two hundred fifty kilo. Yeah. 352 on bench, that's 160 kilo. Yeah. And infamously, which is how many pounds? 699. That's right. That's the conversion you'll always have in grade for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. If ever someone wants a kilo conversion, you know, what's what's 317.5? I got it. You'd be like, why are you fucking asking me? Why are you asking me, bro? You could be 75 years old, you won't won't let it go. Are you full goodness, man? You do some research on Google? What'd you ask me that for, of all questions? But anyways, um, yeah, you had an absolutely phenomenal year. Um, just great, like, uh, in terms of, like, the first official King Lifts athlete. Couldn't ask for, for a better turnout. And, man, let's watch, see what happens coming into the IPF World Championships. Uh, should be fun. So anyways, today, no further ado, like we had said earlier, we got uh, Steffi Cohen and uh, Hayden Bow, who is her bow. Um, they're engaged and also business partners absolutely fucking ripping it up. I mean, uh, hybrid performance is absolutely huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll ask them, I want to ask them, you know, the development of hybrid performance, the development of Steffi Cohen. Right. Um, not just as, uh, not just as like on the business side, but the business side as well. Cause it's, it's crazy what she's doing. Social media wise, cr- like she's just blowing up in all facets, but also as an athlete. Cause I remember when she was. We first had her on, she was a few years deep, you know, and she's handled both highs and lows since then. Right. The U.S. Open for them is, um, is the biggest in the untested. And at the biggest event, she's both bombed out and then broke the Wilkes record. Mm-hmm. You know, like that, they, they don't get as more polar opposites as that. Oh, for sure. From a bomb out and a zero for total to the all-time Wilkes record. Right. It, even if CC caught it afterwards, she still did at that time. Like that is... Literally the most, the biggest low and the biggest high. And she's felt them both. You know, and that, that's like, obviously, that makes the story even better. Even if at the time you're like, this is the shittiest. Like when you just bombed out, this is the shittiest, why me, yada, yada. I don't know if that's how she, but that's how I would have felt. But then sometimes the bigger picture, it's better that way. Mm-hmm. than if you just walked in there and just been kicking ass ever since. Yeah, it's just, better to have some fucked up stories. Like oh, Paul sure. fucking up your last deadlifts and you coming back. Right? Yeah. <laughs> as long, you can laugh because you got the national record. But anyways, you know, like a good story, you got to take a dive. Superman can't win every single fight. Otherwise, it's not a goddamn movie I want to watch. As a matter of fact, that's what I have a problem with the Superman story because he is too damn good and too invincible. I need a character with flaws. You need some I'm, kryptonite. I need some kryptonite. I'm a Wolverine man. He's flawed. Smokes, drinks, cusses. Fast women, fast cars. I don't know, I threw that part in there. But <laughs> whatever, but you know what I mean? So anyways... Um, let's get Steffi Cohen in here and get the, uh, the story straight from her, uh, see how she dealt with the highs and lows, see how she dealt with the, the expansion of social media 
um, hybrid performance, as well as we have Hayden on here as well, and uh, and how he's been dealing with not only um, Steffi's success, I know he's a major part of it in terms of handling and programming, etc., but also running the business and everything they got to do. So with no further ado, let's get these two on the phone. So we are here, uh, Steffi Cohen, Hayden Bo, how you guys doing? Just came back from Canada, I'm hearing. Yeah, yeah, we just made the trip, which is uh, why we don't have headphones. They're buried in some box somewhere. <laughs> um, but yeah, we've been back for a couple of days. We've been trying to do all things American. We were out shooting guns today. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, we just adjusted back to uh, life in Miami. And uh, so what you actually live, you're from uh, these parts, right, Ian? Uh Yeah, yeah, I'm from, born and raised in Toronto. Uh, last four-ish years, I've been in and out of Miami. Uh, and I've just got a visa now that'll keep me here for the next uh, five years. Oh, damn. What kind of visa is that? Investor's visa. We just opened uh, our new gym in, uh, in Miami here. So See, in that, the process of it, so. that thing looks freaking huge. Yeah. How big is this thing? That's, uh, it's, it's just over 5,000 square feet. So Ooh. it's about uh, like two and a half times bigger than the space we have right now. Wow. So you guys, so since the last time I talked to you guys, I think a lot has happened. Um, I remember, so I, th- I think we talked, was it before the 2000, was it even before the 2017 U.S. Open? Or was it after? It had, uh, it had to have been because we definitely didn't talk last year. Yeah. And um, holy smokes, since then, so I remember, let's bring the, the, the listeners back because it's been crazy ever since for you guys. Um, so I remember, it's kind of like a comeback story uh, and for all the Steffi Cohen fans, that's why the 2018 U.S. Open was such an awesome high. Because going into this U.S. Open 2017, um, I think you had bombed on bench. And some people who were like, like the hype around you, the social media, and we were bumping hard. Anybody who's a hater, who's waiting for that moment to be like, see, like, you know, the big show was too much, whatever, was quick. They had something, right? And... Um, in the meantime, the hype only built more, and you were smashing weights on social media. Um, the hype around the followers were gaining steam, and then leading into the t- 2018 Kern U.S. Open, um, it was like the perfect opportunity set up to call all your haters to to the to the floor. And um, you put together the performance everybody wanted you to put together. That was backing you, and I, correct me if I'm wrong. You broke the all-time Wilkes record. CC did took it later on, but did you not take the all-time Wilkes record in the 2018 current open? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yes. For a few minutes. For a few minutes. But you were still, it was crazy. And it was that moment when it happened that everyone's like, now that was like the ultimate silencer for uh, for anybody. And this is the biggest show, um, you know, in, in terms of the calendar year. And uh, so leading into that, did you feel leading into the 2018 current US Open that um, like, were you hearing some of the negative talk after the 2017, and you were like, "This is going to be my time to shine." Yeah, absolutely. I mean, after having a performance like mine in the in 2017 at the U.S. Open, where you don't perform as well, and you know, you hear all of this talk and people saying that oh, you, that you don't have what it takes, or that that you crumble under pressure, or whatever that might be, it's a tough thing to shake off coming into the same meet after, you know, hearing all, all the things that people are saying. So it, it was um, 
afterwards to be able to uh, perform at the level that I wanted and that was expected of me, of, I guess, by my fans, not the haters. <laughs> it did, it's tough because it's a yearly thing. Like, um, especially, let's say they, you, they, they pick and choose, right? They, they cherry pick. So if you got a good competition, it's like, well, it's shit a good competition because it wasn't the big show. So I was like, oh, so now I got to wait a whole year? To like to do the same show over, so it's like shit. It's a long wait time, and um, in, in after when that happened, did you yourself ever have any kind of doubt creeping in, or were you? What was your mind state like, or were you like you knew right off the bat this was a this was a bad day, but you know what you got in the tank. You're just waiting for that chance one more time. Leading into the US Open last year, um, I would say right after the 2017. How were you handling it yourself? Were you telling yourself, like, did you have self-doubt after the ball out in 2017? Or were you telling yourself, man, that was not me? That was yeah, that. It, it, was, it was a total fluke thing. I went to the 2017 US Open injured. I had, uh, you know, like a two or three month long back pain injury that I was battling with every day. You know, sometimes I would have to cancel my sessions. I was, I was really hesitant on whether or not I should even compete. But um, I didn't want to pull out. I wanted to compete because I had committed to it. So going into it, I already knew that I might have a terrible day. Just because of the back pain, not because I was unprepared or anything like that. Because I might actually not be able to put anything on my back. So after squats, I think I did a 170 kilo. I cut down to 114, by the way. Body weight? Holy smokes. So you're used, that's way below. Yeah. Well, what? Last year, I weighed in 119. Okay, okay, so you lift into 123, but you're never actually filling that out. But you still lost some weight. I fill it out, I fill it out. I just, for the U.S. Open, I cut even lower just for the walks. Uh, oh, gotcha. Um, and when you cut, is it just water cut or your actually body weight goes down? No, I usually just do water cut. Okay, okay, makes sense. Uh, but yeah, I ended up squatting on 170 with minimal pain, and then I bombed in bench. But to be honest with you, I didn't even know if I was going to be able to deadlift, remember? Yeah. After squats, I was like, man, I don't even know. The most I had pulled going into that meet was maybe 140 or 150. Since since your injury. Kilos. Yeah, it was almost a blessing in disguise that I feel like it almost would have given people more fuel if you went into deadlift and underperformed. Yeah, missed a deadlift or or only pulled 150. Especially because that's your thing. Exactly. So, yeah, I think. All things considered, and how you came back in 2018, I think it was. So to answer your question, I no, I didn't, I didn't care. It, that was not me. It was a result of the situation, the injury, the training leading into it. It was not a good representation of me as an athlete at all. It's it's unique. You almost have to deal with a unique situation because. Before this time of social media, powerlifters, nobody followed powerlifting like this. So you actually didn't come into a meet with hype. If there was negative negativity, you wouldn't hear about it anyways. But um, now with social media, it's a total different situation. And for yourself, you're at a totally different stratosphere when it comes to social media and, and people's awareness. So it's almost unique for you. Um, if you have a bad day... It's almost like shit. You got to hear about it. Like it's it's good and bad. You get the love, like holy smokes. If you got a good day, they're all over you. But if you got a bad day, and if somebody has been waiting for that day, there you know you know there's people who've been waiting for that bad day to be for like, sure. here we are. This is what I thought. And then um, even if you know that wasn't me, 
How was that? Was that the internal? Oh, shit. I can't wait to wipe the smile off your guys' faces. You got to wait a year. But, like, what, what was that like in that year in waiting? Were you just waiting? Were you logging this information? Or are you just not even paying attention to the negative comments? Did I? Not, not necessarily about that in particular. Or, like, about you having, uh, like, a bad show at the U.S. Open or bad meets, whatever. I mean, there's there's... There's definitely been times where I think it's bothered you, uh, but I think the larger your exposure's gotten, the more used to it you've gotten, and, and the more you've, just from me seeing you, like how you've, re- you've reacted, I think you've come to understand that it just kind of comes with the territory. Yeah. You know, if, if 5% of people don't like you and you have 20 followers, it's not a lot of voices that you have to deal with, but yeah. 600,000 followers... And five percent of them don't like you. It's it's a lot of a lot of shit you have to, to hear and deal with, and you, and a lot of times those are the people who are the most vocal, or the most re. But I think you've you've gotten like a really good handle on not letting this stuff bother you anymore. How about yourself, Aiden? How does that how does that affect you though? Knowing if she takes any kind of heat like that, are you like son of a bitch? It's tough. It's got to be tough not to hop in there sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I used to hop in there all the time, but uh, I mean, same with how she sort of learned to deal with it. I've done it less and less. Yeah. Uh, I think now too, like, it, it used to burn me for sure, but now she has such like a loyal fan base that she, someone will say something negative, and she'll literally comment, "You're about to get roasted." <laughs> and the next like two hundred comments are just that guy getting ripped apart yeah. by all of her fans. So yeah, yeah, it's it's. It's, it's Especially if you came to her page. Like, you just walked in the lion's den, my friend. What are you yeah. doing? Look around. Know your audience. You know what I mean? Um, I, that's it. Yeah. It's not like a, an anonymous Reddit comment. Like yeah. You might get some people to back you up. Yeah, yeah. Stay, stay. No, no. Don't go, don't go into your house. Um, I listen to, like, a lot of podcasts. And um, Joe Rogan, and he talks about, like, if you're willing to accept the fact that people who you've never met um, love you. Say, I love, I love Steffi Cohen. I love Hayden, whatever. You have to accept the fact that, um, some people who never met you, oh, I hate that guy. I hate that girl. One they neither one of them's true. So when you push back and be like these, you know, it keeps you a level balance where you're like, look at both, you know, that's how you keep a level head where it's kind of like, neither one's necessarily true. You know, they're a fan of, or they're not a fan of, but their opinion isn't, isn't as clear as the people who are actually in your life who know you, you that makes more of a difference, right? And that's when people like Joe Rogan said, like, I never read comments. Because like you said, Hayden, the five percenters are the ones that cut deep, right? Like you scroll past the, oh man, you're awesome. And you see the one where like, you fucking bald prick. And you're like, what the (laughs) shit? That'll ruin your day, man. It's hard to bounce back from that. Um, But I think for, it's easy for a lot of powerlifters to say, but there's very few powerlifters who have reached this kind of status, you know, like you, Larry Wheels, whatever. But it's starting to get, I mean, since the last time we talked even, it's not even a long time ago, a little over a year, the followers are going, it's getting crazy. Are you feeling like right now, like, holy smokes, do you ever stop and check, like, what the hell is going on right now? Because <laughs> you've got, like, newspapers and media and stuff coming out as well. Do both you guys, opening, opening like, uh, like how big hybrid's grown and how big everything's grown, is it, is it, you know, sometimes shocking to yourselves when you take a look around how quickly things have grown for you? 
Oh, yeah, absolutely, especially because of how we started, too. I mean, the way hybrid started was just people asking us how we program powerlifting and Olympic weightlifting uh, in the same training blocks. And we did, I, I don't know if we talked about this the last time we spoke to you, but we basically did like a beta test group. We're like, oh, let's see if we can get, you know, 10 to 15 people to try out this program. Mm-hmm. And then we ended up getting, you know, 400 applications for it. And it just grew like Holy crazy. shit. So you, 400, how many were you taking on? We took 100. For oh, that. wow. Um, and then it just grew so organically from there. I think now our membership basis of active members is like just over 8,000. And uh, we've dealt with, I think, it's like 60,000 total. So So 8,000, how do you, um, I can't wrap my head around this. So 8,000 is like, um, they're getting like, you're like, here's your template. Like you couldn't do one-on-ones. That'd be insane. Uh, What we do is we have uh, have a team of coaches, uh, some in powerlifting, you know, we have all the different disciplines. So And how, and how, how how many coaches? Uh, we have, there's a, f- a few different roles. So we have coaches that write programming. We have coaches that uh, all they do is monitor the Facebook group and answer things like uh, like technique questions, do form checks, that kind of stuff. And then we have uh, another level uh, that basically group moderators. So they deal with all of the uh, the uh, what's the word I'm looking for. I'm drawing a blank here, but they basically, all the, the ins and outs of the program, what's coming next, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, okay. So we have about um, 15 of those. Then we have uh, coaches, we have six, I think. And then uh, people writing programming are really just uh, me, Steffi. Uh, we have a strong man, Brian Benzel, uh, Alex Usler, and Ian. and Ian writes Hybrid Wad. Um, so in total, I can't remember, I can't remember how many I ended up, but around like 20, 20, uh, so hybrid is a staff of 20 now. You have 20 people. Oh, sorry, on... We lost you there for a sec. That's okay. Am I back right now? Yeah, you're back. Okay. So hybrid is a staff of 20 now. Yeah. But... For training only. For training. And then we, we also have now, t- uh, 10 nutrition coaches. Jesus, man. And how many music artists under your record label? <laughs> when Steffi's album dropping because it's gonna be it's gonna be off the hook friggin that's crazy so last time we talked how big was hybrid this this seems like this this is crazy how you guys got a staff of 30 yeah we yeah we might have just had me Steffi and um a few Alex. I don't even know if we had Alex no. yet. it might have just been me Steffi and a few uh nutrition uh, or sorry, a few training ambassadors so this is just this is just quite straight up blowing up for you guys. Yeah, yeah, this, it really really has over the last little while for sure. This is a massive uh, brand because I see you guys even um, especially your nutrition. I see you popping up all over the place. Um, like the Joey Flex boys are going to you for uh, nutrition. I see like hack and like I see it popping all over the place. And this is the gift of social media where you can have a brand and stretch like that. Um, so so. Coming out of the 2017, let's walk into the 2018. And this is, this is you know, the big, uh, the big comeback in the silencer. Walking into 2018, probably a totally different feeling from 2017. How were you, did you know, did you know walking on that platform, I'm going to take the all-time Wilkes record, like, did you know you're going to have that kind of performance? There was a certain level of doubt, like I said, 
every time after a bad performance, it already it always kind of lingers in the back of your head. So I definitely wasn't wasn't as confident as I am today. But um, I kind of knew. I think I I had it in me based on what I was hitting in training. I had it in me what what was needed to break the current all time all time works. So you also had your mental game you had been working on actively for the that whole year. Yeah, time. I was working with a sports psychologist. No shit. Year because of that, because of that, because of the 2017 US Open. Yeah. So I was tackling all my weaknesses to say to say it some way, um, to prepare myself as best as possible. Yeah, um, like I find it fascinating. So I'll tell you about the the one guy we had on here, Mark McQueen. He's a, he's in the IPF. Uh, he went to go see a sports psychologist. He actually saw a hypnotist and he said, um, he was dealing with some bad shoulder pain. And, um, if he got under the bar, like this is like a heavyweight, he's trained like Luke Richardson. And if he was doing like a hundred kilo, he's in, in super pain. And he said he, I think he had gone through a similar situation. He had a really bad meet. Now he's dealing with pain, walking into the world championships last year as a junior, went to see a hypnotist. So he sat down in the, in the room and um, closed his eyes. He's on the he's on the bed or the, the the couch or whatever. And the guy says, "What's your favorite color?" And the guy goes, "Red." So I want you to picture this whole room completely red. And I want you to start taking some deep breaths for me. He's taking some deep breaths and he's picturing the room red. And he goes, "Now I want you to picture this red coming off the walls. And every time you inhale, it goes in your lungs and it's going it's seeping into your body. And he's inhaling this red and he's feeling it. And then he said." Remembers nothing else. Woke up. God knows how much later. The other guy had his pants off. No, uh, no. But he woke. <laughs> no. no, I put the other part. But um, no, he had his pants off. No, no, no. But he woke up, and the guy was like, "You've been out for like ten minutes, but we're done the session." He goes, "So what? What happens?" He goes, "Nothing. Just when you're there at the competition, and it comes to the bench, I want you to start picturing red and breathing in like it's coming into you again." He's like, what the fuck, man? I, that's all I remember from the session. He blacked out. So he's at the world championships and he starts, they're warming up. And he, I mean, he, this guy's a heavyweight. He needs it. And he starts feeling the pain and his coaches are like, you all right? And he goes, give me a minute. And he starts having a bit of an anxiety attack. I remember I was, I'm, I'm the IPF world championship commentator. And I remember it was like a close race. And, um, I see him in the back pacing, but like a fucking different kind of, like a, with a purpose, right? He's pacing. Like he's firing up, like 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 one of these cartoons, animes, powering up. And he said he felt it, and he was picturing the red coming in him. Dude goes out there, smashes like like no pain at all. PR bench pulls for the win, and I'm like, oh, huge deadlift, and he's done it. He's won the world championships in his last year, and there's a junior. And um, so we had him on the podcast, and he talks about it, and he's like, absolutely. Not only is um sports psychology real sports hypnotists or whatever like this is a huge facet and i think it's fascinating right like that whole tapping into something um so i mean you don't got to go in deep into what you were doing but like was it did you find it it helped out like what kind of benefits did you get yeah absolutely my sports psychologist it was an interesting experience because the experience that i had going to a psychologist and a pastor or a counselor is, is very passive. Like, you're kind of just, like, telling a story, having a conversation, and, you know, it's yes, nothing. Yeah, about your past, you know, things that are in your head, that kind of stuff. But this was a very active process. It was a lot of introspection, a lot of deep thinking, a lot of 
questions that I didn't have answers to that I would that I had to like sit with for a week until the next session. Um, so very very different from anything that I've ever that I've ever done in the past. And also it was very like strategies and goal oriented. So everything that we spoke about had a purpose and had kind of a, a direct application in sport or in life. Mm-hmm. It's it's so, it's interesting when you speak to someone like that and you don't know why you do the things you do. And they start asking these certain questions of you. Like, how do you feel? How does that make you feel? Like, why, why, why do you feel like that? Why do you think you feel like that? And you're like, I, I don't know. He's like, no, but like, tell me. What, what are you feeling when that happened? And you're like, yeah. fuck. You got to start thinking about it. And you're like, yeah, wow. Yeah, for sure. It's, uh, yeah, it affects you. I, I didn't do like the uh, sports hypnotist, but at the Canadian Nationals, like a goofball, uh, my favorite color is blue. So I was walking around before my national deadlift attempt, and I was like... Trying to breathe in, picturing blue. Like, I, was, I mean, I got it. I don't know if I would have got it anyways. I was just telling myself, I'm, I'm like a fucking blue superhero right now. And I'm like, that, like, I made that shit up. Like, nobody taught me that. But, um, but like, these things, it is true how, um, I, like, there's one dude, he was the, uh, you guys might, do you guys know who Tommy Kano is? American, he was, he, American yeah. Olympic weightlifting coach. Super famous. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know. God knows how old he is now. He's Japanese, probably 172 years old, but, um, uh, and it looks like he's 25, but, um, he, he has in his office, uh, on the wall, um, he's got a magazine and on the cover of time magazine, it says incredible strength. And everybody, when he says that he's got one magazine on his wall, time magazine, it says incredible strength. And they're like, who's on the cover? Was that you? When you won, was it? And he's like, it was a mother who lifted a car off her kid. And it was like, this is real. This really happened. And he's like, I put it up there. So when people tell me, like, ah, fuck, I'm not going to, it's not today. Oh my God, I don't have it. He's like, trust me, it's there if you need it. It's there if you need it. I don't know how to get it. I don't know how to get it out of you. You might not know how to get it out of you, but it's there. Let's, let's, Let's work with something. So, like, I always took that story, and that's why I find, like, sports psychology so big, uh, fascinating reading books on it, but it's easier said than done. Um, but leading into the U.S. Uh, 2018, um, I knew you were going to be a big favorite, and uh, surprise, surprise, Mariana was a big uh, rival there, and um, you had taken her, I, th- I think she was the Wilkes champ until you took it from her, correct? No, it was, uh, what's her name? Stacy Burke? Eva, Eva what's Oh, her you name? were all trying to, Eva Dunbar? Eva Dunbar. Oh, uh, got you, yeah. And, um, and since then, so you ended up taking the 2000, you took the record and then Stacy came, or sorry, uh, CC came and then, uh, but afterwards, the feeling afterwards when like after the U S open, you had that performance, um, did you feel like you got your just do? Like were some people who were trying to hold something against you in 2017 and holding it like, ah, oh, she won't be able to show up on the big show. Did you feel vindicated? Like how you like me now? Nah. No. The fact that I came second was enough for them to be like, see, she's not good enough. Really? Well, yeah. I, I think a very select few. I think See, that... I told you CC was the champ. Like you, you, I saw that all over the internet. Nobody, nobody picked. Here's the thing. Nobody knew who CC was leading into. The no, there's maybe a couple comments. Yes. <laughs> ESPN was talking about it, and I read about it, and it was. Yeah. But, uh, I I feel like, especially given the shape that you were in going into it, you uh, you performed exactly to the level that you that you were capable of so 
like, you did really well. You think? All, yeah, all, I think so, all things considered. And, uh... I oh, but did you not think? Did you, did you not think that 2018 was a great showing? No. Oh, wow, really? Holy shit, I thought that I was missed, awesome. I missed my first squad on commands. Yeah. My second one on depth. So I only got my third one at the same weight. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's... That already is 10, 15, maybe 20 kilos off the table right off the bat. Yeah. That I wasn't able to get. On, de on bench, on bench, right? And then deadlift, you, you did your thing. Yeah, deadlift was fine. But yeah, I mean, that's at least 10 kilos in squat that I could have had. Um, I think it was pretty volatile, no? Leading yeah. into it. Like, this year, she's been a lot more consistent. I think your confidence is probably at an all-time high right now. Yeah. Just just by dealing with you day-to-day. -day. It's a lot less complaining about sessions going on, a lot more uh, positivity. So I think, you know, I think... I think that was a good showing, given your like how you were doing in training last year. But I think this year is going to be a whole other thing. Here's the thing: dealing with a little adversity. Oh my god, I totally forgot about something. You're right, because I remember watching. Um, I thought I remember watching. Think, oh my god, what if she bombs out? Because you had bombed out. And what were you thinking then? Because I remember, I was like, oh shit. If this happens again, the, the haters are going to be all over this. Were you thinking when you came back, oh, fucking hell no. Oh, hell no. This has to happen. This, this can't end like this. This isn't how this movie ends. That was, that was not even in my head. So one of, the, one of the things that I was working with with my sports psychologist was uh, visualization of adversity or, or negative effect, uh, events. And so, you know, a lot of the times when you do visualization – you know, or mental imagery, like some people like to call it, they are imagining step by step as they're approaching the platform in, in a way that results in a positive uh, way. So they imagine walking up to the bar, the feeling of the gnarling in their hands, they take a breath, the, the crowd is cheering, they grab the bar, they pull, and they make the lift, and they imagine the color of the plates and everything. But rarely do people put themselves in a mental imagery position where they fail. Mm -hmm. And so that you don't know how they're going to react when that actually happens. So one of the techniques that we worked with or through was uh, the same imagery, but leading to a negative uh, scenario how you, and how you would deal with it. So I, I felt when it happened that I had already been there. Remember how calm I was? So I missed my first squat. I was like, eh, like totally like brush it off. I'm like, don't care. Not a single bit of emotion. Second one, same thing. Miss three three red lights. I'm like, meh, I don't <laughs> care. Remember? Yeah. I was 100% confident that I could make that squat. Like, it didn't face it, me at all. And what about you, Hayden, when you hadn't gone through that sports psychology? You were like, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, my God, man. I, I already get extremely nervous every time she's lifting. Like, I'm 20 times more nervous when she's going compared to when I'm going. So I'm on the edge already, especially when there's, like, wrapping and timing involved. Yeah. And, and in that meet especially where every lift someone makes, you have to calculate what their projected Wilkes is and yeah. what you, they're going to be able to hit and everything else. So I was already tweaking. <laughs> if she hit all three lifts, I would have been already freaking out. Yeah. But the fact that she left it all to the last one to, to <laughs> the total, yeah. You're was, like, oh, sweet baby Jesus, let this happen. You I, know I, I took a breath for that whole... <laughs> Yeah, you know it's it's fun. It's true though when you um if you do nothing but imagine positive positive thinking. I've been there and I've been powerlifting like ten years. 
done that too. And when you're right, when something wrong goes and it's not the script, it fudges with you. Because for six months, you've only visualized the good. When it goes off script and something messed up happens and you miss attempts, you're like, oh shit, it rattles you. This isn't, you, you're, you don't know how to take it because you've been for so long picturing, I'll get this, I'll get this. If you don't, the show's got to go on, you know? And um, despite you missing those, you still ended up at, the, at that time breaking the all-time will. So it's that staying calm in the pocket that it's not over yet. You know, there's still more lifting to go. Um, it's, it's, it's weird though that um, how it's second best, like it's, I feel like you're held to a standard where second to only CC in the whole world, regardless of weight classes. Like it's I know, not good enough. that's crazy though, because when I think like like Russell Orr, he has a has a crazy following. He's second in his weight class, um, not just regardless of weight class all over the world. So it's weird that like you're held to a standard or if you're number two in the world, regardless of weight class, and you're the greatest 123 we've ever seen of all time. And um, on any given day, it could be the greatest of all time, period, regardless of weight class, and it's still like, ah, shit. I don't know. I'm not living up. Like, that's some yeah, crazy yeah. pressure. I think, uh, I think the IPF has done a good job at creating little rivalries within certain weight classes. Yeah. So if you win your weight class get to be a bit of a hero uh whereas you know sometimes in, in, if you go the other route there's not as much depth so in order to make things the u.s open where they're judging based just on wilkes and then for that reason you have to you know you have to compare those two people you know if you're going to compare steph to the next best 123 it's pretty boring competition to watch like oh who's gonna win this time unless you so usually you're gonna take it as the same a lot of the weight classes especially with the females so they kind of have to put each other put them up against each other for the wilks and then because of that you know it doesn't matter if you're crushing every other 123 by 100 pounds you still get judged by whatever that top performance is at the u.s open it's tough you know what until i started doing the u.s open and, and I started being held to such a high standard, I wasn't as motivated to train and to get better. So for me, it's it's a good thing. You know, I like competition breeds the best of you. So mm-hmm. I like it. I, I like to be, be pushed that hard. I like to be competing against people who are so good and to have them as a, as a target, you know? How did, how did you feel when you heard, um, like, Stacey Burr, she had hit her goal of that Wilkes and decided that's it. I'm done. Uh, like I, you know, it makes me think cause she had said something around the fact of like powerlifting had dominated her life. She felt and gave so much into it that she's like, this is dominating the way, like my day to day, my thoughts, my interactions with people. And she's like, I'm going to go for this. And if I get it, I'm stepping back. Um, is it like when you hear that, how do you feel? I don't know how I feel. If I think like I kind of get it or I kind of don't, or, um, or it, like, have you ever thought, like, is there a number? If I reached a certain level, would I be like, fuck it, I'm out? How do you feel about that? Uh, I, I think it depends on what you think your capabilities are. I'll let you take it after yeah. so you can talk about it. But I think, you know, for Stacy, if she thinks that, like, that's the top end of what she's capable of, then maybe that's a good move and she can just go out on top and focus on coaching and other things like that. Um, especially with the rate that some of the other girls are are improving at you know if you even just look at some of the some of the training and exhibition lifts the other girls have done like mariana squatted 583 in the 
the animal cage this year, you put 20 something kilos on your squat. You know, I think there's going to be, I think there were three girls, unfortunately, CC had to pull out of the US Open, but I think there were three girls that are well capable of breaking through that 700 Wilkes barrier. Mm. And, uh, you know, if, you know, I think if, if they do do that and see, and Stacy thinks, uh, you know, she can do that as well. I think we might see her return to powerlifting, but if she thinks, you know, that that's, you know, that's not possible, then I think it's a good move. I think retirement's a good move. You always want to kind of go out on top and it might be an intelligent, I'm not, you know, I don't know better than her about herself, but, uh, you know, that's kind of what I think. You? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think it's kind of a bummer that she, that she retired because it was such a, such a good company to be in, to compete against. Mm-hmm. Stacy, Mariana, CC, sure. me, so entertaining to watch, so fun, so challenging, so motivating. So to me, it's a, it's a bummer that she that that was her decision. But like Hayden said, you know, if those are her reasons, she just wanted to come out on top, and and that was her goal to have to hold the all-time world record Wilkes for. Kind of like Eddie Hall, you know, he got the deadlift and world, one world's strongest man, and then he was like, you know what, that's it. So here's yeah. here's the one difference, and I want to ask you guys your opinion on this. But Eddie Hall decided, I'm going to take that in like the biggest biggest competition in his calendar year against the best, and that's where I'm I'm going to do it, and then I'll retire. Um, the decision to do it not in the U.S. Open, but go for that at a different meet, is where you know the number. Which I don't totally. Hey, look, if you're like, I know what the number is walking in this meet. It isn't changing when I walk in the meet. I'm going to hit that, and that's a guarantee. Like not a guarantee, but like at least it's not moving on me. Whereas you show up the U.S. Open, like Steffi hit the hit the greatest Wilkes of all time in the U.S. Open, and she had done a competition two weeks before the U.S. Open and did the exact same. She could have been like, "Peace, deuces, greatest of all time," and um, you know, all right, well maybe, but until the big dogs come in U.S. Open, anyways, right? So there is like a little, you know, I'm not saying it to be shitty towards Stacy, uh, but it's true where you know everyone else is guaranteed U.S. Open. You kind of got to see, right? So there's. It, there's time in there. Yeah, yeah I think... I, I wish you would have done it at the US Open. That would have... That would have been a better move, I think. It would have been hard. Yeah, we heard of a couple of these before. Just because we know, we know our coach well. But I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it is, it's an interesting... Like, I can see both sides of it. Like, powerlifting is very objective in the fact that you just go in and you lift where you can lift. Um... But I think for, from the fan perspective, everyone wants to see a good battle. And the U.S. Open last year where all of the girls were either going for the all-time Wilkes or they're chipping each other with positions, that's something that's really cool to see and something you don't get to see a lot of. Yeah. So, especially and this year, I, even, I spoke to Gracie to see if I could be on their same flight, and she said yes, so it was going to be a flight with all of yeah, us. So that oh, shit! That was a major disadvantage last year yeah. because it was almost as though, you know, Steph had to do a meet first. And then, yeah, because she was in the earlier flight, so it's like Steph put in all three deadlift attempts, and then the other girls get to come out and see what they have to beat and do it. So this year would have been like, I think the ultimate Super Bowl of, yeah. you know, powerlifting on this side anyway. But uh, we might have to to wait and see. Well, we do still have the showdown with Mariana and. Um, 
You know, it is true. When, when you have to go first, everybody else, you, you set the benchmark. Like, all right, well, shit, I chipped that. Um, but in this situation, because Marianne is a squatter, and I think you guys are going to be in the same flight, um, and you, you will outpull her. The fact that you get to go, I mean, we're, we're talking about some of this, the preview show, the broadcast boys haven't dropped that podcast yet. And we're discussing it. And um, I was saying, look, this is, this is neck and neck. You guys are like, like, you guys are all the best in the world, top elite. But the fact that at the very end, you get to go last, she's done for the day. Her day's done. And now you and Hayden are like, well, whatever the fuck, just put it on the bar and let's go. Like, you know exactly, not a, not a kilo more. You don't have to guess, well, let me try. First, she has to try to guess, how much do I push Steffi? And loads the bar. But she's also pushing herself. So she loads a little too much. Well, shit, now she missed her last dead, and she's going forward with only your second dead. And then Steffi's like, whoa, whoa, what can I tell you? I know exactly what I got to load the bar and not a kilo more. So that's a huge advantage that a deadlifter has. Um, so what do you, what's your, do you guys game plan at all walking in there? Or are you just like, we're going six for six. We're staying in the pocket, not even looking what she's doing. And then come the deads. Now we're paying attention and we start uh, catching up. Unfortunately, that is the meet where you have to pay attention to literally everything, everything. everyone else is yeah, doing. Yeah, it's a meet where so, strategy is off. Well, I mean, she won't personally. She, she's just going to, when we go to meets like that, she's not involved in really any of the decision making. Um, we are just checking to make sure she's comfortable with certain lifts. We're not telling her, like, you need this to do this, whatever. But we have, like, a team of people who will be making sure that she's doing what she has to do for every single lift to, uh, to come out on top. What, what kind yeah, of... Yeah, what, what he was saying is what we were talking about earlier about how having a good deadlift is a huge advantage. It's, it is. It's it, similar yeah. to having a good clean and jerk and on the big weightlifting. Yeah. So you can put so much more weight on the bar... You you, so you you put what you need. You you could spread so quick. Like when I um so as a commentator for the IPF Worlds, I, I mean like I've seen it so many times. Someone can cover so much ground in the deadlift event. You know, so many times you see somebody, you just hang in the pocket. You just got to stay close. And not only that, when you know where you have to end, you're because the dead takes a lot out of you. Your first one is almost just like a warm up because you're not planning on that being going towards your total anyways. So you're just like, all right, get that out the way little placeholder second and the last one everything we need it's so just bang 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 and see where the chips fall whereas when you're the subtotal guy or girl you're almost like biting your nails like your hard work is done like fuck i just hope she misses i guess she knows exactly what she needs to beat me like there's that's it my day is over like that's got to be if if i have to pick any situation to be in i always want to be the deadlifter 100 percent. 100 i might even i might even be opening No, too tight. Over to deadlift because, you know, I, I don't think Mariana actually gets the credit that she deserves. That woman has been on top of powerlifting for like a decade, you know, and crushed so many world records. Yeah, she's she a, is arguably the best powerlifter of all time. She, is she, she, does she speak English? Uh, a little bit, a little bit. Because I would have her on the podcast, like. Which I think makes it tough for her. I would have her on the. You don't hear that much of it. Yeah, like, 
uh, well, I would have it on a podcast. Like, her husband reaches out, like, can you put this up? Like, you know, like, and I feel bad. Like, I could tell there's a language barrier. And I'm like, I want to, you know, I'd have her on the podcast and help. You know, I want to help everybody get a little shine. And, like, it helps the U.S. Open as well when you have these people. But the language barrier is tough, man. I know. Especially uh, when when so much of powerlifting culture is American and Canadian or North American-based. Uh, you know, all the fans, they're looking for people who, who speak English and can communicate to them that way. So unless you're like a Yuri Belkin type guy who just has that weird, like that Mystery. almost oracle vibe yeah. to him, you know, it's, I think it's very difficult to, to market yourself. But, I mean, she's awesome. I think that's going to be an amazing match. Uh, I mean, she's just a squat machine. So she is. I think Cool. Well, who else you guys got your eyeballs on? Is there anybody else? Cece's gone. Stacey's gone. I'm told a girl, Chloe. You guys checking her out? Is there any? Van Dyke or something. Yeah. She, Van she Wick? Is, no, she is one of uh, Holcomb Barbell's athletes. Oh, really? Is, is there anyone else on the radar that you think is coming up to try to make a move? Or are you guys, what do you guys think? Which for herself. For yeah. herself. And, yeah, yeah. Then and then I think I saw on one of uh, Mariana's husband's stories something similar to that. Like I'm gonna, do, we're gonna do something that's never been done. Blah blah blah. See, here's the thing. Okay, I got two ideas on that. Been around the block a little bit, once or twice. I see a lot of like that kind of stuff, right? Um, I don't know how much. Like for sure, if you're going against somebody, you want to keep it in mind. And, and when you're plotting your numbers, but on the flip side, people show up, and it's a totally, it's not the, it's not the perfect day. On the, nobody ever has these perfect days. And sometimes, if you don't stay in the pocket, and you try to overstretch yourself, trying to keep up, you see her squat attempts, um, and she could be missing squat attempts, but you, you're already putting in your attempts, you know, you're going toe to toe, and you're like, ah, shit. You know, you could both start missing, and, and it, so there's... You know, how much do, the, do you let this affect you? Because I've, I've talked to different people, right? And um, different coaches. Like we have a lot of different people on here. And some people go with the, on the day of, you pay attention to what they're doing, but get the most out of yourself you can on the squat. And then, um, and then continue on the bench, but try to stay in the pocket and not miss lifts. But the same extent, you can't fall too far behind like you would said. Otherwise, like the dead is not just an endless, you know, supply where you can just pull out 100 kilo out of nowhere. So do you guys have like dialogue in between or do you watch? It, it helps that you know Steffi so well. You could tell when the bar is moving good or when the bar is slowing. But do you guys have like game day audibles where you're like you have con like conversation and, and you start changing it up? Or how does that work with you guys back there? It, it depends. depends on the for a, a meet like this one, there there's likely to be a lot of game day audibles, just depending on what people hit. 
Um, you know, if someone has a really bad day in squat uh, and she doesn't need as big of a squat and she can save some of that energy for deadlift or something like that, that's always something that we're going to take into account. Um, like, like, well, like I said, we don't talk too much strategy to her actually on game day, but uh, we'll, she always gets final say, of course. You know, mm. We're never going to put anything on the bar that she doesn't want, isn't motivated for, or thinks is too much. So, yeah, there's, there's definitely changes to the game plan, but uh, she always gets the last word. Yeah, it's because sometimes the shit moves well, be like, no, nah, man, something's... Or the opposite. It moves slow, move funky, be like, we're all right, trust me, we're all right. I just, just yeah. I got a little out the groove. And you see him come back and the third's better. You know, yeah. some yeah. sometimes... Yeah, that just happened at Pro Raw. So Steph was supposed to open at 220 kilos uh, on her deck. As planned, you thought she, she thought it was really, like, things were moving slow. And uh, we figured out that she could probably get the win with a 210 kilo deadlift. So we just dropped her opener to that, made sure she had the, the win, and then went from there. And she ended up having a great day in deadlift. She deadlifted 230 like it was nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, that was definitely a change that we weren't anticipating that we kind of had to roll with the punches on. Mm-hmm. What, do you guys, what do you guys feel about, um, it looks a little different this year. So the U.S. Open, the money's cut in half. Kind of sucks. That's that's twenty k off the top. Um, some people aren't returning, like Larry Wheels, John Hack, and a bunch of pullouts, um, like Kevin Oak, Brendan Allen, uh, Ben Pollock, and um, I had I had a conversation with the boys from the Brocast, and they were saying, you know, they hope not, but they feel like it's somewhat shrinking with the money going down, and um, some people just being like, you know what, I'm good, and some people might actually be like. Um, I guess the wraps are not liking the wraps. Brendan Allen said, I think it was wraps on my knees that caused the, the major quad tear. John Hack's not coming back because he said, you know what, the wraps are really banging up my knees. Um, I think Ben Pollock said the same. And there's, uh, so some people are like, you know what, I'm not, I don't, I'm not liking the wraps. You know, when you wrap them that tight and you've got ungodly weight on your back and you're forcing yourself in the squat position. So do you think moving forward, how do you see this, the U.S. Open, going? Do you think the money comes back, the lifters come back, or do you think it'll stay where it is now, or do you think we're going to start diminishing a little and people start spreading out to, like, tribute where they have sleeves? Um, where do you want me to go, or do you want to go? I don't know. Um, I, I'll start if you want. Yeah, go I think this year there's a lot of uh, politics, you know, a lot of, a lot of people... Federation change. Yeah, mm. a lot of people dropping out because of politics, because they don't like people who are, handled, who are hosting the meet. The money going down. What else did you say? Injury. Knee wraps. Injury. I think people 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 yeah. push themselves really hard for this meet. You yeah. know, for for several several months leading in. So because there's so much money down the line, maybe people are, don't know how to handle their training, and they're going they're going way too hot, and mm-hmm. not making it to the date of the meet. I think though, uh, on the untested side of powerlifting wrap powerlifting is always going to be is going to dominate people want to see the biggest lifts so and that's where you're going to see it um and with or without the money um there's always going to be a meet that's sort of regarded as the quote-unquote big meet you know before before this it was uh rum you know yeah i I remember rum had prize money but that was a huge huge meet all the best lifters would go out there you know 
our boy Jeremy Hamilton from Canada, and I think even John Hack did it years back. Yeah. Way back in the day, yeah. Yeah, all those guys. So I think the, the money is nice, and it's a good way for people running meets to give back to the community. But I think the powerlifters that are, are really in it for, for powerlifting, and I think those that, that make it to the highest level are those types of powerlifters. The money isn't determining uh, necessarily where and when they're competing. It's the prestige of the competition itself. And who's hosting it. And who's hosting it and, and all, that, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I think I don't think they'll, you know, if U.S. Open, whether it's U.S. Open or not, there will be a big meet that's going to be the meet of the year, the Super Bowl sort of thing. You, you, you know what I would like? Show confidence. You guys came on here. Already spent that money. Already wearing fucking fur coats and jewelry. <laughs> 20K already on my back in the interview. Already spent it. I got to win now. No, I agree. Uh, the money's not... Like in the IPF, there's no money. And guys and girls come from all over the world. You know, it's... Uh, the money's nice, but it's not the overall determining factor. Um, I do see... Like it depends on... In terms of like the with the wraps... Um, like I myself don't use wraps, but... I mean, there are options. We're seeing options wherever there's there's never more than in powerlifting. Do our voices count? Like if like if people start pulling away from raps and some people are like you know what this is fucking me up. It's not worth it. Brendan Allen said I'll never do raps again, um, and they want to start moving towards tribute, tri- like a place like tribute or me like tribute pops up. Hey, we're hearing a demand for sleeves. Raps is tied up. U.S. Open's the biggest show in the world. We're not going to compete with that. What if we open up a sleeve division? We got a market. Now we can have some big name people come in. CC's like, I think I'm going to do tribute. Um, you know, so never, like in, in powerlifting, we have that advantage, which helps. Um, what, what, do you, what do you guys see for the men's in terms of what shakes up in the men's division? Hold on, we lost you on that one. I missed the question. Okay. Are you sure you're not dodging that question? No, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> every time I ask, I ask your picks for the men's. No, cut out again. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> but um, what's your guys' pick in the men's division? Oh, man, that's a tough one. Ross, yeah. Ross is doing it again? Yeah. I think Ross. What about Yuri Belkin? Because they have to go toe-to-toe now. There's no, you're not saved men, heavyweight and lightweight. Yeah, They're man, putting them all together, be, which hurts. Both, I think that hurts Ross. Because They both start right around that 600 Wilkes mark, aren't they? Yes. Yuri did 599 last year, and Ross did just did six. They're, they're, they're like they're neck and neck. I know a lot of people are like crazy. They can't picture Yuri losing. I know he's so uh, so stoic and in his in his just typical Russian. Good on meet day too. Yeah. 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 Rarely see him do make I, any sort of mistakes. I, I'm a I'm a Yuri Belkin fan, so I mean I'd I'd like to see him take the win. Um, I don't know though with uh, Ross, he was 165 last year. Yeah. And now he's moving up to 181. Yeah, I think that might make it even a little more challenging. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess it'll it'll be cool to see how he grows into that weight class. Uh, either way, it's going to be a great battle. And that side of the world is is making some pretty insane lifters on the men's side. And one more prediction: Who's going to deadlift more in the deadlift battle between Kaylor Woolham and Yuri? Kaylor was on here. We haven't dropped the po- oh, we, I just dropped the podcast. He thinks he's got it. Oh, he's, yeah. He said his knees aren't hurting that much. He's even squat a little bit. Damn, that's a tough one to call. 
that's uh and we, and we have no idea because we haven't seen any of your restraints yeah, because he doesn't post anything so I don't even think we can speculate you know, based off what I've seen I'm gonna go with Kaler because you know Kaler went to Russia and he did and he broke the record there in Russia too yeah but um yeah I'll go Kaler just because we haven't really seen anything that uh, Yuri's put out but man who knows with that guy he could come out on game day and do a thousand for all we know I'm told <laughs> I'm told uh, Belkin's like like you know before he'd show up in the 242 class, but he's like two pounds over 220. Doesn't yeah. even doesn't even cut water because fuck you, you know. <laughs> but um, I hear now he's like around 235. He's getting big, so I'm not sure what to expect. And this is coming from Kaler, and he's still like, I get it. I I'm still gonna pull it out. He's pretty calm. He's like he'll kill me in total, but I think I got him on the dead. And Kaler, man, Kaler's got a hell of a deadlift. Yeah, I'm rooting for him. Uh, I think that's super important to him, that that record, and I think he'll do whatever it takes to, to keep it. I hope he does. He's a deadly, he's a super nice guy, too. Yeah, yeah he's, awesome. he's awesome. Super humble guy. And yeah, congratulations on run. You guys run meets, meet directors. You guys are like just <laughs> blowing up this hybrid right now. Um, listen, we had you guys on for roughly an hour. Is there anybody, uh, well, first off, if someone wants to contact you for coaching, probably already stacked, but. Where would they? How would they reach you if they want? Whether it's uh, any of the services, how would they reach you guys? Uh, probably the the easiest way is to go to our website, hybridperformancemethod.com. Just use the customer service chat on the website. We have people monitoring that twenty four seven, so they'll help you out. They'll answer all the questions you need, tell you what program's right for you, all the ins and outs of the program. Uh, and if you just want to look into what we do on a day to day basis, or uh, you know, see what our athletes are doing, you can. Check us out on Instagram at uh, Hyper Performance Method. And um, anybody you guys want to thank before we let you go? The whole hybrid team. We couldn't do any of it without him. Most notably, Alex Uslar. He's kind of our uh, right-hand man. He's, well, I've been stuck in Canada waiting on this visa. Him and Steffi have been holding down the fort. So I'm very grateful to him and the rest of the team. All right. Well, look, at, uh, I mean, I'm going to try to be impartial, but you know I'm rooting for you. <laughs> so good luck um well i'll shoot you guys a line afterwards and um yeah man stay healthy we're all watching thank you uh, guys. thank you much appreciated see you later okay man, i can't believe one of the biggest takeaways i can't believe hybrid performance 30 staff members yeah that's big i mean it was a year and a half ago Steffi had, um, yeah, like she was on, and it was like her Hayden and a couple of people. Right. 30 employees, man. In like, what, two years? That is fast growth, man. That, like, that's like you're moving into a building. Yeah. You have a small par- little company. You man. have a parking lot. <laughs> you know, that's like, you just try to wrap your head around it. That's where powerlifting is going, though. Yeah. Um, these guys in particular, uh, Steffi and Hayden, well, all their, their whole company, because they're not just powerlifting. So, and she's so big now, she's capturing not just the powerlifting market in she the also brand. Has weightlifting too. And weightlifting, yeah. strongman. And what do you want? Bodybuilding. You just want to get in shape. Mm-hmm. You want to get in shape and have like the best in the world doing it with you. Um, and in terms of uh, yeah, so they have like their market is they've crossed over. 
they're like more mainstream now. Yeah, like you don't sure. have to be a powerlifting fan to be going there. No. But holy shit, man, eight, eight thousand people, eight thousand people, Kathy. How is that possible, man? Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> if if they paid you a dollar a month, that's eight k. Mm-hmm. I mean, they got thirty thirty uh, people for staff, but yeah. how much? Like, god damn, they're blowing up, and that's just clients. Now, what about like their gym and people coming into the gym and? Nutrition, Holy shit, like, man. I found that interesting when she was talking about the sports psychologist and, like, thinking of failure, too. I'm like, I'd never do that. <laughs> I, well, but it makes sense. Like, I, I'm no joke. I'm not, like, I've been in a situation where you just, like, think positive, think positive, whatever. Yeah. But you never, how often do you go nine for nine? Right. Like, you fucking do, you got you. But uh, but most people, <laughs> like, I, I think you always go nine. Well, well no, I, no. Miss, I miss, I miss my uh, dad. Which dad? At regionals. Oh yeah, you know what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. But um, yeah, very, very good. But uh, but yeah, it is true though. Like um, I've been in that situation where you just picture hitting this, and then I come off, and I come back, and I raise it, and I hit that. Then I come mm. off, and I come back, and I raise it, and I hit that. And then and you're picturing it, so you're almost living it. And then when you go out there, you never say like, oh, I cut depth, oh, I miss groove. So when it happens, and it's nationals, it's worlds, it's mm-hmm. whatever, it works you up. It it fucking like rattles you like this isn't the way I pictured it for six months. Mm-hmm. It rattles you. You're like, fuck. Whereas, it's different to be like, stay in the pocket, eat the food that's there that day. Right. Relax. Right. Eat food that's there that day. Relax. Stay in the pocket. It's all good. And when she said like, look, look, she missed her opener, missed her second. She's walked. like, whatever. <laughs> She's like, yeah, whatever, whatever. But she bombed the year before, was mm-hmm. about to bomb again. Everybody for a year was talking shit. Mm-hmm. And, um, and instead of being like, holy shit about the ball she's like be cool we got this and got it and not only got it and be like well let's just try to manage to finish what we can no she ended up getting the biggest Wilkes of all time we ever see Mm -hmm. despite that and there's another thing where sometimes you relegate meaning I missed my opener I missed my second I got my opening weight on my third attempt so now you've relegated yourself to I'll get the best I can today and it is what it is or you're like, no, nah, this can still happen. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm very much still. Not, I gives a fuck. Like, like we're going. And she ended up still getting the biggest wheelchair. Yeah, that's huge. Um, so yeah, you get like I, the mental side probably is bigger. Especially how much bigger could have been if she like hit her opener. Well, too that's and, like, that's what she's saying. Yeah, she's like, my, I totally forgot about that. Um, yeah, she just reminded me. It's been you know, well, I guess a year. Almost exactly, but um, yeah, I guess she was hoping for like even let's say five, ten more kilo. You know, I mean, at her body weight, and you add start adding Wilkes. I mean, I don't like look at CC was there that day, but still, at the, just what she would have pushed, how much further would she have pushed? No matter what CC would have done, mm-hmm. where would her Wilkes have left off? Yeah, exactly. You know, it's pretty crazy. Um, but I'm interested. I mean, I'm interested in seeing what she does. Um, her and Marianne is such a good. And when is the US Open? It is uh, not this weekend coming. It's on the 27th. Oh, okay. Weekend. Um, Soon. Man, we're here. We're here now. <laughs> we're here now. And um, Mariana, they're, they're polar opposites. Mariana is a massive squatter. Uh, Steffi's a good squatter, but like Mariana, that's her That's her jam. Mm. And then uh, both solid benchers. And then Steffi is a massive deadlifter. Right. Mariana's a good deadlifter. But that's Steffi's jam. Right. So it really is going. You you, you know you're they're capped on both sides, right? Where it's like holy shit. Steffi just, just has to stay close enough on squats, and then. 
But uh, it, but there are they are in two different weight classes. Okay. So close enough via Wilkes, and right. that's even tougher. I can't imagine. Look, if it's just you and someone else head to head, I can be a hard meat to handle. Picture that, man. Because I can see. Well, you're you, if you're taking five fifty, two hundred fifty kilo, five hundred fifty pounds. And he's 570. I'm like, okay, well, he's got us by 20 pounds, but I think you're outdating him by 30. So we're good. That's simple math. Let me keep within 20 on squat. We all got it. We got him by, I think, 30 on dead. We good. Whereas if it's like, now he's three weight classes up, I got to fucking break out a Wilkes calculator and start figuring out how close your squat is by Wilkes. And then, man, that's tough. And you got a minute. Oh, and by the way, you got a minute to make your decision. So that's what you were saying. They have a whole team that like, yeah, it's like I got, I got a fucking mathematician. I got a dietitian. I got everybody with an issue at the end. I got a sports psychologist. Um, yeah, you need a went whole... Went to Stanford, hired their best math students. Dude, you're like, I got six Asians working with me right now in the back, crunching numbers. Like, damn, the oh, probability of her hitting this, her percentages of hitting her last squat when she goes this heavy is blah, blah, blah. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be a hell of a battle. And then, obviously, in the men's, a little bummed, you know, some of the big names like Larry and uh, John Hack didn't return, and we had right. a bunch of dropouts, Kevin Oak, Ben Pollock, Brendan Allen. But... Um, you still you still got battles to come, man. Mm-hmm. It ain't over yet. Like there's still some big names to go. Who's the Yuri guy? Yuri guy. You know, people listen to this right now. What the? But uh, but you're an IPF guy. He's this is in the untested. Yuri's probably the best male lifter. Okay. Probably even with Larry in there. Okay. Yeah, well, last time Larry didn't wear wraps. It's fucking hard to say. But Yuri is absolutely phenomenal. Mm. Yuri Belkin from Russia. Um, well, so previously he could easily hit 220, but he'd go in the 242 and just, just not even cut because mm. fuck it. That's how hard, that's how much ahead he was of everybody else. Oh, wow. And, um, this year he's filling out 242. Now he's like 235 ish. Okay. So we're expecting big things. This dude's a beast. Right. Absolute beast. But, um, he'd be the favorite and then Ross Petkoff, the two Russians. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, man, it is what it is. Our boy Larry didn't go in there. So North America doesn't really have, you know, not quite. John Hack's not in there. I mean, we got Mark Plummer. We got some guys, but... And Brendan Allen would have been in there as well from North America. So it looks like for the men's, we got like an all-Russian battle for the number one. But in the women's... Where's Steffi- Kyler... What's his face? What's the last name? Woodlum? 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 Kayla Woodlum. Kayla Woodlum. He was our last podcast. Yeah, he's he's 220. Okay. But um, he's he's going to dead with Yuri and maybe out-dead Yuri. He weighs 220? Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, he's four, oh, less... Less, yeah. I didn't but realize he is that heavy when I see his videos. It's because he's 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 tall. Oh, okay. Lean like a boxer. He's okay. built like a boxer. I see. He looks like he 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 would box, play basketball, or something. He's lean, okay. but he's uh he's six foot, so he's not. He's, I mean, not crazy tall, but he's probably thicker than you think. Okay. I seen pictures of him with his shirt off. He looks way thicker. I thought oh, the same. When he wears a shirt, he's that guy who doesn't fill out a shirt properly. Oh, okay. He'd be that guy in the bar. I mean, who the fuck, man, why don't you shut your mouth? <laughs> and then when you go outside and you take your shirt off, you'd be like, oh, how shit. about how about we go back in and I'll buy you a beer? How <laughs> 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 about we split it even, man? Oh, we, man. I got to get an Uber and get the fuck out of here. <laughs> no, yeah, he changes once he takes his shirt off. Okay. But um, but anyways, um, from Six Pack Lapidat, my boy Caffey. Uh, how do they find you on Instagram? Caffey Fitness. Caffey Fitness. Uh, no underscores or no shit. Just Caffey Fitness. Make Caffey sure you look Fitness. out for both of us, IPF World. But until then, till next time, Six Pack Lab at signing off. Peace.